Welcome to the Homeschool with Ease podcast. I'm Nancy McHale, and if you're looking for practical ways to teach your children, plan your curriculum, and gain the mindset you need for homeschooling, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Envision starting your homeschooling day running smoothly and seamlessly. You start the day confidently, have everything prepared, engaging projects, and know exactly what you're going to be doing. In the Thrive program, I will be teaching you how to teach. Think of it as a mini professional development course, but way more fun and engaging. You deserve to be trained as a homeschool parent too, just like teachers or any other profession. By the end of this three-week program, you will know how to teach your child, have confidence in teaching, learn quick and easy strategies, make learning fun and engaging, get your child on track. We will cover the following topics, how to teach your child, effective teaching strategies to teach different learners, different ways of teaching, games, hands-on activities, field trips and projects that you can implement, the best way to teach in a systematic way. And what's included is five minute videos that will cover all the topics listed. They will be released every couple of days. They'll be short and sweet, but so informative. And I keep them short because I know us parents are so busy. These videos will be turned into podcast episodes just for members so you can listen wherever and whenever. You will be invited to one-hour weekly group coaching to answer questions on teaching, how to teach topics, planning, strategies, and any other questions that you might have. You'll also have group access to ask me questions throughout the week and connect with other homeschool parents. You can gain access to this incredible program for a little over $20 a week. It starts November 17th. Don't wait to sign up. Visit buildaproject.net to sign up today. I hope to see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm so thankful that you're here with me today. Today's topic came from suggestions from Instagram followers. I posted a sticker asking questions about what kind of podcast episodes do you want to hear about? And I heard you and I am giving you the episodes that you want. So one of the requests was hands-on learning and how to incorporate hands-on learning. And it's great because I love to talk about hands-on learning and what that is. Um, If you don't follow me on Instagram, my handle is build underscore a underscore project and you can always message me on there with any podcast suggestions that you have or email me at nancy at buildaproject.net. So let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about hands-on learning. This is such a buzzword and a popular idea, right? Like what is all the hype about? Why do we care about hands-on learning so much? So I actually have an entire workshop module that goes into hands-on learning, why it's so important, the research behind it, and best of all, giving you like specific 
fun, engaging activity ideas that include games, hands-on activities, um, things that really are so much fun and engaging, but really help reiterate what you're teaching and implement what you want them to practice, what you want your kids to practice, and really just diving deeper. Um, so you can find that at buildaproject.net slash hands-on learning. But today I'm going to be kind of going over hands-on learning and like some really great ways to incorporate that. So hands-on learning is my favorite way to teach. Why? Because when students or anyone for that matter does a hands-on activity, they are actively involved in learning and are much more likely to learn about the topic and remember it. It's one thing to read about something and try to remember it, make flashcards, that whole thing, but it's another actually doing, right? And when we're doing, we will remember it much more. So hands-on learning is proven to be effective, the most effective form of learning. According to BYF.org, one study tested two groups of eighth grade students. One, eighth, one of the groups had to learn about a water purification system through a lecture, while the other group had to actually build a water purification system. Now, which group do you think was more successful in actually understanding what a water purification is? You guessed it, the one that actually built it. The students who built the system received much higher test scores and improvement rates. In another study who, of students who didn't engage on hands-on learning, they were one and a half more times likely to fail a course than students who did. So, in that hands-on module, I have a chart that shows like when we read something, we'll remember 10% of it. And then it'll go down all the way down and say like, okay, when we read it and see it, we'll remember 20% or something like that. And then it'll go down to the very bottom of when we personally experience something or do something, we'll remember 95%. So that is a big difference. And if we can offer that to our kids, then why not? And you know what? I know that activities can feel daunting and overwhelming, but it doesn't always have to be a full-blown craft or something that takes like hours to plan or or a bunch of different materials. It doesn't have to be like that. Hands-on activities doesn't even necessarily need to be hands-on. As long as the child is like engaged, like themselves, their mind, body, that is a hands-on activity. So what I mean by this is, you know, even getting them to partake in something could be hands-on. Like if it's an experience of some sort, that would be great. So some ideas are games. Now, learning games that come ready, set up, you could buy it and implement, that's great. You could create your own or, or use what you have at home. I'm always all about being resourceful, not going out and spending too much. Like be creative, look for ideas online, 
use what you have at home. Another idea is, or another point that I wanna make is a lot of times, yeah, we do research ideas, but I really encourage you to take a minute to think about what you want to implement and how you want to implement it. And what I mean by this is, yes, we have something we want to do. We'll go online and search for an idea. Okay, great. That's a good resource. But before you do that, let's take a minute and just think about it. Think about what you want to implement and how you would want to implement it. And ideas might come to you, especially if you've been doing this for a long time. They will more than likely come to you and you and like a spark will happen, right? So a lot of times this still happens to me, although I create curriculum and ideas and, and all this, like I wanna do something and I just wanna research it. Like I'll give you an example. I gave a workshop on this last Saturday on project-based learning and this was like to a group of teachers and I really wanted to incorporate like a hands-on component. Like creating a project does take a lot longer than one workshop so I couldn't really do a full-on project but I wasn't sure what to do and my first instinct was search for ideas online. But before I did that, I just sat and thought. I was like, what could I do in a short amount of time so that my attendees can really grasp the idea of project-based learning and how to implement it in a short amount of time. And I just sat there and thought about it and an idea came to me and I was so happy with that idea. I basically printed out, like I wrote different topics, just one word topics like dance, basketball, um, explorers, matter, whatever, like just different topics, random topics on slips of paper. And I broke everybody up into groups and they had to come up with a project idea and like an essential question to go along with that project. And it was effective, it was quick, uh, free, <laughs> like I didn't have to go out and buy anything. So sometimes if we just sit and think like, okay, how do I wanna implement it? What do I want to implement? Ideas can come to you. So going back to activities that we can implement in a hands-on way. So games, drawing or painting about what they've learned. So like I said, it doesn't need to take hours to plan. You could teach about something and then have your child draw about it or paint about it. Like that's fun, you know, that's fun for them. That's a way they can connect their ideas and what they've learned to a drawing and using that creativity side of them. Creating sculptures or models would be really fun, even using Play-Doh. Um, when our kids reteach a concept, that is one of the most powerful ways to learn and retain information. And this is one of the examples of them not needing to do like a hands-on activity, but them reteaching is a hands-on activity. You could say a hands-on experience. Like they have to learn the information. They have to figure out how they're going to reteach it. Like pretend you're teaching it to a class or their little brother or sister, whatever it may be. But like that in itself is hands-on. Taking field trips. Um, with any outing that you do, you want to have like a before, during, and after. 
So let's say you are teaching your child about animals and you want to take them to the farm. Awesome. I love that idea. So you don't want to just go to the farm because if it if def, if it's definitely part of like what you're teaching, you want to have some context before and like a follow-up after. So before you go to the farm, you can do simple things like what you expect to see there or tell them what you, they expect to see there. Uh, maybe go over the farm animals, what they're going to see, learn about the farm, learn about everything, what they're going to see, right? So that's the before. The during is while you're there, you go, enjoy it. If they're a little older, they might wanna take some notes on what they see, observations. You can always have like an observation sheet or a journal where they write down what they see. That is an option. And then you have the after. And the after is probably the most important part, right? Like the during is the fun part, but the after is really important because that's when you'll kind of like solidify the ideas, the thoughts, the things that they all saw. So the after you wanna follow, ask follow-up questions like, what did you see and what did you learn and how does this connect with what we talked about before and things like that. And there are prompts and templates online that you can find if you just put like post field trip lesson or post field trip activity. I'm sure you could find really good resources. So I want to talk about like some steps to come up with an activity because like I said, um, we tend to just kind of jump on the internet and see what we can find, but really taking that time to think about what you would want to do could really go a long way. We really put ourselves in buckets of like either I'm creative, I can come up with stuff or I'm not creative. And I used to say I'm not creative, like I, and but I thought creativity was only like um, art and drawing and things like that, or like coming up with ideas to draw, but, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, some people do have more of a natural knack for being creative, but that doesn't mean you can't practice a skill and improve on it. Now, creativity is not just, art, right? It's like being able to think in a different way or coming up with different ideas. So I am really creative in coming up with ideas for teaching and coming up with ideas for curriculum and um, how to teach, like different ways of teaching. Like I'm very good at that. That's how I'm creative. And so, you know, finding that inner creativity in some form can go a really long way. And everybody's different. Everyone's going to have different talents, right? We all have different things that we love to focus on. So use that, like use that to your advantage. So after you have like your lesson planned out and what you want to teach, ask yourself what kind of activity can I do so that kids can really understand and retain the information? So think of something they would enjoy doing and if maybe it could relate to the topic. So for example, if they enjoy playing basketball, can you incorporate math in that in some way? Maybe, um, you know, the parabolas, like how far or high they shoot the basket and, and how you can incorporate 
math in there. They can always write about basketball, draw about it, like those things can go along with any topic, right? But like see how it could directly correlate or if they're into dance and they're learning about angles, well, maybe they can create different angles with their body and talk about that and how we use angles in dance. So just some ideas. You know, if it's a far-fetched concept or lesson, think of how you can make it re relevant and relatable. The more concepts are relevant and relatable, the better students will understand what they're learning. So for example, um, I had, when I taught fifth grade, I had to teach about the Boston Tea Party. And obviously that is a, a topic that cannot really relate to fifth graders, especially now since it happened such a long time ago in a whole nother country. Um, so what I did is I had, I used to give them tickets for, you know, staying on task and they would get rewards and prizes with those tickets. So I told them that they had to create a poster about what they learned about the Boston Tea Party, but the catch was they had to pay for the markers, the papers, any material they need with their tickets, their hard earned tickets. And let me tell you, they did not like that. They were like, this is unfair. We use this stuff all the time. Like, why do we have to spend our hard earned tickets on it? So basically they were, they felt mad about it. They felt like it was unjust. So it was an injustice to them. So at the end, I told them, do you see how you feel? You feel like this was unfair. This is something that you're used to buying and it's just, you know, it's, it's unfair. And this is how the people back then felt about the Boston Tea. This is why the, the Boston Tea Party happened. The people in the country were mad that they were getting taxed so highly on the tea. So they threw all the tea in the, in the harbor. So that was my direct correlation between how they felt versus how the colonists felt at that time. Um, and then even things like maps, like if you're teaching about maps, starting with a map of their room and then your home and then your street and move on, moving on to bigger maps. That's the way you're connecting like a big concept to them. Another way you can incorporate hands-on learning is through imagery and writing. So we did a lesson on the Eiffel Tower. And you, like I had my kids imagine what it would be like to go to the Eiffel Tower. What would they see? How would it feel? How, what would they smell? Um, have them close their eyes and imagine what it would be like. And then they could write it down or draw about it. So like I said, hands-on does not have to be a craft for everything. It could just be them like imagining themselves in a situation. So these are some ideas on incorporating hands-on, why it's important, and really just having fun with learning and really creating the experience for learning for our kids because that's what I always say. I always say that learning is an experience and to treat it like that because when we treat it like that, we'll be able to make it engaging and 
and memorable for our kids. So I hope this helped and I would love to know what kind of fun hands-on activities or experiences you provide for your kids.